brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It was called Cold. That was the name that he was called by. What's going on up there could be the most important event in history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I said, I hope this is as close to hell as I'll ever get. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tales from the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Bob, here with my co-host, Brittany. Hey guys, what's up? And we've got uh, a pretty exciting episode, one that you have a little bit more skin in the game than I do, is that correct? Yes, sir. So with that, uh, before we get into some crazy stuff and I turn the reins over completely to Brittany, there is some something that happened today we have to talk about. Yeah, I uh, get to wake up from our partying like a rock star weekend. That's why we haven't really been posting a lot um, to this message, this video message from Tyler Terry. He was fucking attacked almost. No, he was not. He was out driving and saw the snow tracks of a notorious hay snake. Look, that wasn't all that happened. That's just, he's a, he's a, he's a true professional. And he kept part of it out. But the full backstory was he was driving and almost ran off the road by what he can only describe as somewhere between six and 600 foot long snake (laughs) (laughs) made out of hay. Six to 600. That's a very wide range there, Bob. A snake is like a bogart or bogart. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. And he can change it. Well, mm-hmm. he's terrifying. I believe you. And he haunts everybody's dreams. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, go back to the, I think it's the, the title of the episode is our first hunt for Mothman featuring Tyler Terry or with Tyler Terry, where we went out on a crusade to track down Mothman. We met some, some, 
some very uh, good old boys that led us out into the woods. And before that, we almost had our lives taken from us by a snake made of hay. (laughs) Yeah, he tried to kidnap Tyler and have Tyler ride on him out into the fucking sunset. Yeah, it... He was begging the, to the, go back. The, he was being possessed. The mind control. The mind control's real. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, we have a really fun episode uh, in line tonight. And if you guys are interested in seeing the video with Tyler Terry, it'll be on the Facebook group as long uh, as well. As Even, your brand we new. We haven't done this in a minute. But with the uh, the brand new Instagram account that we just launched, uh, Tales from the Dark YT on Instagram. Um, we have a Twitter as well. I don't know how to use Twitter. I'm getting there. Uh, Instagram was a big step for me. Shout out to Nick from the Ohio podcast for finally convincing me to make a fucking Instagram. But none of that matters. What matters right now is the mysterious state of North Carolina. Some and their lights in the sky. Population. No, no, I'm just kidding. No, we're not talking about your family reunion. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, babe. Hey, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, especially when all the branches are made of the same people. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the Brown Mountain Lights tonight. And Brittany, you grew up close to Brown Mountain, correct? I did. Have you ever been to Brown Mountain? I don't think I've actually been to Brown Mountain directly. Well, then you have no... Why am I having you speak on this topic if you've never fucking been there? I At that, that point, I am just as qualified to speak on this as you are. I mean, if you want to take the reins, go ahead. But you haven't been up into the Blue Ridge at all because every fucking time you came to visit me, they had the goddamn road closed for maintenance. Okay, well, as much fun as that sounds, that sounds like effort and work, both of which I'm actively against due to the snowpocalypse. It's outside. I had the day off work, so I've really gone out of my way to do nothing. So with that being said, I'm going to toss the reins off to the old co-host, Brittany, who is still recouping and recovering from her big birthday weekend. <laughs> so if you're feeling Are we up- still hungover? I can't tell. <laughs> so if you are feeling up to the task, Miss Brittany, why don't you tell our lovely audience about the Brown Mountain Lights? Okay. So basically the gist of this story is Brown Mountain itself is close to, is in is located in North Carolina. It's close to uh, Morganton and also Table Rock. If you guys have been through um, the actual Blue Ridge and, and been hiking through there, you'll probably know what Table Rock is. And Hawksbill Mountain. Uh, mountains, I apologize. But basically Brown Mountain looks over both Table Rock and Hawksbill. And if you go up there... You, it's reported that you will see some kind of floating lights through the sky, and they call it the Brown Mountain Lights. Wait a fucking second! Didn't didn't you make me watch a movie about the Brown Mountain Lights? Yeah, I, I fell asleep my way through, and you somehow made it through the whole thing with its fucking forty four point nine percent out of ten. Yeah, that's rating. That's what. I purchased my ratings off of Google look like <laughs> because I would give that like a, a one, uh, a two because at least they actually went there. It's a longer movie than, than anything we've made. So it's instantly a two. No. So I don't remember what the fucking title of this movie is. Alien abduction. Okay. It's called alien abduction in this cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> is, um, I think it was actually made by Tyler. 
okay, Tyler makes way better content than that. <laughs> you're right. You're uh, right. Before, but speaking of which, real quick, uh, Terror Barn is his like side project channel. Somebody else asked me what the uh, the name of his uh, channel where you can find some of so Tyler's made. It's Terror Barn. T e r r o r b a r n. Um, but no, this fucking movie. Like, okay, imagine if E.T. had a budget of $3. That's the level of special effects in this movie. They spent the whole budget driving to North Carolina because they didn't fly. It was shot on a like a garage sale Sony Handycam, uh, like handheld camcorder. And, oh, my God, it! I could have passed off my Down syndrome having Chihuahua better as an alien than what they they provided in this but sorry i didn't i didn't mean to cut you off it's just I, you kept talking about brown mountain lights and i, I was thinking like man what is what's the worst thing that's ever happened to me then i was thinking about that movie that we watched i'm like that's <laughs> that's it like, that's the one parents died got moved down a peg and got that that entire fiasco that part of my brain which is like it's the worst thing that ever happened got obliterated when we watched this fucking movie and oh yeah thing. the half of the movie oh, that you God. actually watched i'm just i'm just really glad that i took sleeping pills before that movie started because goddamn guys don't <laughs> and it's not even one of those like oh it's so bad it's good it's it's so bad it made me want to literally stab myself in the eye <laughs> but sorry continue <laughs> about the history of the brown mountain lights before i go on an entire rant of why, why this movie's horrible yeah yeah sorry Anyways, um, back to the Brown Mountain Lights. They, like Bob was talking about, uh, some people believe that it's aliens and, and UFOs flying through the sky. Some people, a lot of times, especially when I was researching this, um, people call it ghost lights and they don't actually call it UFOs. They call it ghost lights. Now, while this, while that in itself is interesting, there is some history as to why it's called ghost lights. So the earliest reports of the ghost lights came from Cherokee, Katawa, I'm sorry, Catawba tribes, uh, settlers. You fucking did better than I would have done. (laughs) Settlers and Civil War soldiers. So this is the earliest reports on top of that of Brown Mountain for these lights and there's been a lot of people who witnessed the spectacle now one of the reasons why the tribes is important in this case is because apparently in that mountain range um there is some evidence backing that they were having territory disputes right there and basically in that valley and up on the mountain between the Catawba and the cherokee tribes so there was a lot of bloodshed and there was a lot of um negative residual energy there if you know you want to go that route yeah when i was uh, doing a little bit of research and by research man i did a quick google search before we started because i'm totally on top of things uh one of the first things i read that was interesting was the the native americans the cherokee believe that the the lights are actually indian maidens uh still searching for their men who died in battle yeah that was actually my next point that was what i was about to bring up next they uh so it if you believe in the residual energy and the ghosts and things like that, some people accredit these lights to being torches going through the mountains to try and find their loved ones. Side note, if looks could fucking kill guys, <laughs> I, I knew one bit of history about this. And because that was our next point, I just got daggers literally shoved up my ass. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I won't talk for the rest of the episode. I promise. <laughs> okay. Anyways. So, 
moving on from there, they now we transition into where the movie comes in. They made the movie because they believed it was aliens and all these things. So my experience, I've actually been to Table Rock, but I have not been to Brown Mountain specifically. Like I haven't stopped at Brown Mountain. I have not personally witnessed any lights in the mountains. I've witnessed strange noises, um, strange shadows, things like that when I've been up there, especially like if I wandered off by myself. Um, But a lot of people that I know from North Carolina have experienced UFO sightings, lights in the sky, things like that. And one thing that would have me lead more towards UFOs than you know, ghost lights is simply the fact that if you want to talk about residual energy from the maidens, how are their torches going to be up next to the fucking moon? Like, why wouldn't they be going through the trees and things like that? Why would it be so high up in the sky? Yeah. And I, there was another theory that was debunked um, where they said it was actually the the train lights coming through in the middle of the night that there was a... um Huge flood. Yeah, well, there's a flood, but they, they were claiming that there was a reflection off the, the conductor light, and that was what was causing these lights. But my, my problem with that theory is even back then, it wasn't like at 10 p.m. every Wednesday you could see the lights. It was if you were there during this you know certain set of uh, variables, you have a higher chance of seeing the lights, but it wasn't guaranteed. And it was noted like right when this theory became popular that – we couldn't see the lights every time a train came through. And if that were the case, then, you know, if you could see them every time the train came through and that was the only, you know, repeating variable, sure, it's train lights. But it, the inconsistencies here uh, um, and the fact that it's been tried, I mean, this is from what I was reading, it's been tried to be debunked for a long time, right? Yeah, so they've actually had the government officially look into the lights three different times. They've had countless private investigators, um, ghost hunters, things like that, go to the mountains to do investigation. And then they also had an episode of the X-Files back in 1999, I believe, uh, go and do a episode about the Brown Mountain Lights. Uh, The issue with Brown Mountain in particular, from what I've seen, it's been very commercialized. Um, You know, obviously with COVID, they're not doing tours anymore, but I was reading that they had a full dedicated tour to where when the best time was to go see these lights and they would go up there and just try to see them and things like that. So that's a little sketch. Now to play devil's advocate here, do we know how long these tours have been going on? I do not, but it wouldn't, I mean the tours wouldn't have been back when the Cherokee and yeah, the uh, Civil War was. Again, like I said, just playing the devil's advocate on this part, I mean, let's say they fabricated part of the history of when this, you know, phenomena started. It would be a good way to get a tour. You know, people like us, we'd, we would flock there. As someone said, hey, I can take you on a tour and show you these fucking crazy lights in the sky. I mean, again, just playing devil's advocate, do I think that's what's happening? No, absolutely not. Because um, there was something interesting, and again, I find a way to do this every episode. Uh, John, John Keel. Keel. Uh, he he referenced some lights very similar to this in the Ohio Valley, West Virginia border that I think he said Wednesday, 10 PM, he could go up on this gorge like Valley. And I think it was in West Virginia, right on the border every Wednesday, 10 PM, as long as it was, it was a clear night and it wasn't too cold or too hot. 
he could always see these lights. And he even went as far as taking a, a like a high powered flashlight flashing it at them. It would move out of the way. Like it noticed him, knew he was there. So, you know, what I mean, granted, West Virginia and, and Brown Mountain, North Carolina, that's there's a there's a good little bit of a gap there, but not as far as one might think, especially given the phenomena. And given that it's literally connected by the same mountain range. Yeah. So seeing that we have kind of a documented history of this happening before, not not that shocking to me that this would be repeating. But I I, I guess before we go further, I, I do have a question. What what do you think it is about the the Appalachian Mountains that brings this high strangeness? I mean, we we're, we're going to do an episode here probably either this week or next week on injured cold. Uh, but it's you know we can take injured cold out of the equation. There's hundreds and hundreds of these stories all circulating within this one longer mountain range, and then even in the Blue Ridge area specifically, very much an area of high strangeness. And we get talked about the Biltmore Estate, and that's you know. We can do two episodes on the Biltmore Estate on its own, but that that area of the country seems to be like a hot spot. Do you 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 grew up there? Did you do you have any opinion on what? Okay, I guess two part question. One, did you ever see anything weird growing up? You know, when I met you, you your apartment was literally facing a fucking mountain. It was one of the coolest things I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then two, uh, what do you think it is about this this area of the country? Do you think it's the Apple? Like, you you did just share a pretty cool post on Facebook about the age of the Appalachian mountains, um, which I thought was pretty fucking cool. Um, but what, I, what, I, again, the question is, what do you think it is about that area of the country that just brings out the weird? So that post was actually what I was about to bring up is that <laughs> that's twice you're looking to get your ass beat tonight. That's what's about to happen. Eh, Anyways. Like so the Appalachians is actually older than the skeletal system, even in fish. Um, that's how old, I think it said like 500 million years old. And that's if you believe in the, you know, the full timetable of scientific discovery. Um, and at that time, even the fish that were developing in the ocean. 550 million years. Yeah, I think 500 million years ago was when uh, the skeletal system was starting to develop. So... Even the, I don't th- even think there's fossils in like the deepest part of the Appalachians. So this mountain range has literally seen, you know, not like physically with eyes, but it's been through our entire evolutionary track and it is still here. And it holds so much ancient materials and, and again, bringing up the energy, residual energy from going through all these transformations. And it used to be at the bottom of the fucking ocean. Um, you know, people always say, well, the Rockies are so much bitter, bigger. That's because they're brand new, basically. And the timetable of the Appalachians and the Rockies, they're fucking infants. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I think a huge, huge part of that is how old the Appalachians actually are. And I think that's one of the reasons why our cave system is so large as well. I think that... Not only the age, but also the not the before the settlers, the Indian tribes and the natives that were here. Um, you know, a lot of if you look in their history, a lot of their lore has a lot of magic involved in it. They didn't necessarily call it magic, but modern day, if you look back, that's what it was. And I think they could have possibly created something that lasted 
through the years and, and has left a very big imprint on what happens through that mountain range. That makes sense. Okay. So question number two, because I asked uh, two very long winded questions while you lived in North Carolina, you, you, you born and raised there, correct? Yes. And you, did you live in the, for, for our listeners at home, I already know the answer, but did you live in the same rough area your entire life or did you kind of, were you spread out around North Carolina? Um, when I was really little before I could really remember a lot, I moved around a lot, but for the majority of my childhood, my adolescence and teenage years, I lived in the same town. So I, I was in the same yeah, area. Basically. Okay. So did you ever see anything weird while, while you lived there? Like I, I know before you and I got together, you had an interest in this kind of stuff, but it wasn't like it is now or you would definitely take note. Uh, like it would be, you know, kind of branded into your fucking head if you saw something weird. Do you remember seeing anything weird growing up or when you, you know, got your license, you were able to drive and stuff. Did you ever see anything weird or unexplainable where you were? I know where you were was kind of, was a, was a more, um, I don't want to say touristy area. Like it's a bad thing, but no, it was, it was a bigger town. Yeah. More, more well-traveled. There there was, you know, it was known for the fucking Florida leafers to come up. Yeah. And full offense. If you fucking travel to Asheville for the fucking leaf change, I hate your guts. You might be a fantastic person, but get off my fucking interstate. (laughs) That's, that's fucking fair. Yeah. So did you see anything weird when you lived down that way? Honestly, I'm trying to remember. I think a lot of times, especially before we got actually really got into this kind of stuff, um, you would always try to push that kind of stuff in the back of your head. And, you know, it'd be a weird kind of thing, but you wouldn't put much merit to it, especially being from around all the closed minded people I was. Um, I know I got a certain feeling every time I went into the mountains and I was, um, you know, just driving and listening to music on the range, especially. It was very peaceful for me. Not only the beauty, just because I didn't want to get out of the car and walk through the trees or anything. It was just that feeling. I'm pretty sure I've seen lights, but I can't, I couldn't tell you days. I couldn't tell you the the details basically yeah, I, in my backyard. Yeah. Um, and I lived in a valley. I'm pretty sure I've seen lights in the sky that way, but they could be comets um, most of the experiences that I actually had in North Carolina were through other people. So. Fair enough. Yeah. So before we get back into the Brown Mountain Lights, when I first, when I came down the first time to, to see, so I lived in Ohio, Brittany was in, uh, you know, like I said, we were over, Brittany was over near Asheville. I'm not going to give you the exact town location, but it was near Asheville. Uh, I, I rode my Harley down. It's like probably what a six and a half hour ride, five and a half, six hours, somewhere yeah, in there. About six and a half. Yeah. So my, my first time I, I came down to meet you, I, I th- rode through the night, I think. Yes. Or maybe that was the night, the time before. Uh, anyway. No, you rode all through the night. Yeah. I, I rode through the night because I, I have a larger touring Harley, um, but I don't like traffic. And if you guys have ever driven through Cincinnati, you know how bad the fucking traffic is, especially first thing in the morning when everyone's trying to get to work. And that Knoxville, Lexington, and yeah. every other. I mean, being on a, being on a bike, being in stop and go traffic is, it's dangerous enough as is. And so I remember riding through, right as I crossed into the gorge, Mm -hmm. um, into that area, it was, I think it was just about to be daybreak and it, it's a weird feeling. Um, it's almost like the mountains are alive. It's kind of hard. It's, it's peaceful in a way, but it's also like the, the primitive part of your brain is heightened when you're driving through, especially through the gorge where you're like. You know, I'm literally in between two giant mountain ranges at any moment. This could collapse. 
The road is literally carved into the side of a mountain. Yeah, and some of those fucking tunnels, man, those are terrifying to go through. Oh, yeah, especially in your Harley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and then I, I got, uh, I had to go through a detour and I, I went through a couple hollers on, on the way to see you. And then this is, uh, and I rode down and rode the tail of the dragon. Cause that's something just, if you have a Harley, you, that's just what you do. They actually have like a really good gas station in one of those <laughs> haulers that makes the best fucking fried chicken. That's just, just, just through that gorge. You, if you're down there, you say this all the time, but that's how, you know, we travel a lot when we get excited by a gas station. Literally a good gas station can be the make or break of your whole fucking trip. Yeah. I but, love good gas stations. But yeah. So, you know, I totally understand what you're saying about a certain feeling. And if you guys have never been through the mountains, I highly suggest just, just even if it's a week, you know, weekend and you guys can drive through some of these mountain ranges they're they're Eastern Kentucky, uh, going into Tennessee, then going into North Carolina, fucking beautiful. Like you really can't get enough of it. Like it's, it, it becomes almost like an obsession that you want to go back to consistently. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it almost feels like the, the mountains are alive down there. And when I was driving through, and, and we talked about this when we were in Eastern Kentucky as well, it it's so dense in certain parts that something could be four feet away from the road and you would never see it. You wouldn't know it was there. And so when it comes to, you know, the, the debate of like, well, if these things exist, we would have caught them on camera. We would have found them by now. Some of the places we've been to and some of the places like where you used to live, it didn't take, you know, within 20 minutes of a drive you could go to somewhere where if something didn't want to be found, you weren't going to find it. Period. Especially, especially in lush green, Eastern Kentucky, like when it, it's, you know, bright greens, not a trace of fall that the canopies and the underbrush are so fucking thick. You can, it's, it's literally pitch black under the trees. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fucking wild. So going back to the, the Brown mountain lights, um, to me, UFO activity is not out of the question. It's it's just not. We have documented cases, you know, going back realistically to, to Egyptian times before, you know, we had stories about, the, not, I'm not saying the natives weren't here, but before we had documented stories about the natives going back to Egyptian times and going back to, if you want to go all the way back to, you know, the founding of Christianity, which borrowed a lot from Egyptian times, but technically we could, we could make the connection between it being shrouded in, in ufological events and lights in the sky being surrounded by almost every major historical event. We can go, we, we can go to the Phoenix lights, for example, which uh, that's another story I want to cover at some point, but the Phoenix lights basically were, you know, intelligent, like lights in the sky that thousands and thousands of people witnessed. Uh, they were, and it was giant, like the shape. Of, I want to say they said it was almost the width of a football field. Um, so lights in the sky aren't that uncommon. And, and it's interesting that it's, you can see it best from the top of the mountain. That's a great vantage point. We've been to the top of several mountains during our, our, our filming in the last year, and you can literally see four miles. So it, it's not that shocking to me that these exist and they continue to happen. What I would be interested to see, and, and I, I encourage any of the followers that want to send me you know, a message or post in the Facebook group, the, the geomagnetic anomalies in the area. Are there any? Because we, we know that they run all over the area. Um, is there a reason for these lights? Like, is there a reason that, that an entity would want to continuously come back? But what my question would be is, is this the same entity? Or is this a different one each time? Or as the years pass, do they, they switch off like it's a job? Like they're protecting something and they're coming back to check if something's there? That, that's a big question for me because I know that there is a, a, a very ongoing theory with Brown Mountain that there's an alien cave base right below it. Yeah. 
Um, I'm right near Table Rock as well. Yeah, so it, it, it's not out of the question for me. That- with, with how irregular these sightings are, like you said, with John Keel, he could go to the same spot every night, 10 p.m., see it as long as the, the weather conditions were admirable. There's no consistency when it comes to this, these sightings that like no one can say, okay, it's at 9 p.m. We're going to go there. That's when this tour runs. Um, these are very, very elusive, it seems, and they're not concrete at all. Uh, I mean, you can see that they're there, but there's no consistency to them. So if there was a cave base and they accidentally get seen from time to time, that would make more sense. No, I, I completely agree. And another interesting thing about the the Brown Mountain area is the amount of Bigfoot sightings. That's something that oh goes, it, yeah. it's often, um, you know, because again, it, we, we talked about this, I think was the last week or the week before, the Bigfoot group and that crew of people don't often talk to UFO researchers. Um, but there's a lot of Bigfoot sightings, which I've recently kind of adopted this, uh, adopted the theory, which I didn't create it, but I, I, I'm subscribing to it more and more every time I read some of these stories about these creatures being interdimensional and just walking into our reality, basically. So again, what's to say that they're not, the lights aren't coming in to check on some alien cave base and they're beaming, you know, we had the, the, the stereotypical beam me up, Scotty, they're, you know, they're, they're picking somebody up or putting somebody back down. We don't, we don't know. Uh, but the Brown Mountain Lights in general, it's always fascinated me and it, and it fascinates me mainly because of the, the touristy aspect. Cause you got to wonder, do these people know what they're fucking with? And the answer is no, we, we you never no really, yeah, you never really know what you're fucking with. And so I kind of want to ask them, Hey, is there a waiver that these people have to sign in case they get abducted or they start attacking and they destroy someone's brand new Escalade they come from Florida and they want a fucking alien experience. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how that works out from the, the tour guides perspective. That's one of the things I think one of the reasons why I like Kentucky and West Virginia so much more and going through those mountains, even though, like I said, it's the same mountain range, the area that I come from has Asheville, you know, you say any town around that fucking area, Hendersonville, Fletcher, you know, Canton, any of them. And they're like, uh, Asheville. Oh yeah. I know exactly what that is. It's become so touristy that any experience that I would have in North Carolina, I would almost not want to experience there, I guess. You know, I get the tourist money and income that comes in through those towns. It's very good for business and and it helps people. Um, But I would much rather go to a holler in Kentucky than a holler in North Carolina. And I'm probably biased because I just, you know, that's where I grew up and I just don't like the state very much anymore. Um, but I just, I I would like to see more income flow through these haulers that we've been through in Kentucky and West Virginia. Absolutely. But <laughs> I love the, the gen, genuine nature of everything that we experience through there. Speaking of tourists, you guys better go to portal 31. Yeah, I was literally about to bring that up, um, and and that's why. And if you guys didn't catch the announcement, we'll we'll go ahead and repeat it. It's been a couple of weeks now. Uh, we're doing a five part series in Harlan, Kentucky. Um, if you guys didn't get to catch the Harlan County, I'm sorry, Harlan County, Kentucky, uh, we had um, 
Darla Jackson, and Tony Filosi on the, the show two or three weeks ago. Um, that's their stomping grounds. And we are working with them very closely to do this five part series, which hopefully drives a little bit of revenue and drives some tourists like um, population and flow through the area. Cause Harlan's not doing that great. And it's one of the few places that we visited that feels like a second home to us. It's so rich in history and it just has that feeling. It, it's exactly what I was just saying. Basically it, it's so fucking genuine. The people there are so genuine. We've had nothing but great things come from that fucking County for us. Yeah. And if you're going to go to experience something, you know, extraterrestrial ghost, just strange, high strangeness in general, I would ask that you go to somewhere like Harlan instead of Asheville. Um, because personally, and I can say this because, you know, I grew up right around there. That's my stomping ground. It's so fucking watered down there. It's anything that you experience is going to be so fucking watered down. And I would ma- rather see the people in Harlan thrive in this way than the people in Asheville because they have all the other things. Yeah, but this also comes with a warning. Be very fucking careful where you guys are stomping around down in eastern Kentucky because we went to some 99.9% of the places were fucking great. But there's a very small amount of areas there that don't take kindly to people being there that aren't from there, that are poking their nose around in their business. They don't like fucking cameras. They don't want you there. Again, that's not a representation of the vast majority of Kentucky that we've been to. But there are some areas, and I feel like I have to put this out there, um, and I know um, Greg Newkirk did this as well when when Hellier came out. There's certain places that just, this isn't an insult, but they're just a little slower than the rest of the country. Their industry, their adaptiveness to community, um, and interacting with newer people. Because a lot of times in these hollers, my family came from a holler in North Carolina, you know, you know every family's name, you know every fucking body. So if you have a stranger coming up through your town and through your holler and by your homes, I'm going to get defensive too, especially if that's all I've known all my life. Exactly. And again, like I said, it's it's not a bad thing. It's it's completely understandable. If I was, you know, from the same area and I grew up in, with the same set of circumstances, 100 fucking percent, I'd be the exact same way. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. There's, there's so much history just in that area. And, and I, I didn't particular, particularly like Asheville, but I don't, I don't like big cities. I'm not hating on you if you're from Asheville, but when, when I was there, I didn't, I didn't, it was weird because like, you know, we're from small town, Ohio. Well, I'm from small town, Ohio. You live in small town, Ohio. We're very prideful about our communities and our cities. Like you, you can't go anywhere without seeing a go Troy banner or, or, or whatever, like, we're very prideful. When I went to Asheville, it was very much, how much money can you give us? How big is your wallet? Do you like beer? Yeah. If you don't like beer, get the fuck out of our town. Yeah, exactly. And again, we're not shitting on Asheville. Well, Brittany can shit on Asheville. I'm going to shit on Asheville, actually. Um, yeah, but but I'm not because I, I had very little exposure there. I, I want to go back to Biltmore. The more we have one's, one fucking listener. This dude knows more about Biltmore than anyone I've, I've ever met. And he has turned me on to some of the insane fucking history there. Yeah. Uh, don't want to mention his name, but you know who you are and thank you, but also fuck you because that was a can of worms. I did not anticipate opening. My grandfather used to work at Biltmore. That's it's, uh, 
we'll do a full episode on Biltmore, trust me. Uh, but back to, to the Brown Mountain Lights, uh, what do you think they are? Like, I mean, we, we know some of the history, we know some of the, the theories, whether they be from the metaphysical esoteric side of the world to the more modern explanations that they're trains or it's a, I think another one of the theories is like a methane buildup is causing the lights, which that was disproven really quickly. What do you, what do you think that they are? How would there be a methane? I know it's been already been disproven, but how would there be a methane buildup or any other buildup of gases when all you have is a bunch of fucking trees, like there's no development in the Blue Ridge, nothing like that. Because the methane's coming from the alien cave base, Brittany, you're not fucking missing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is this is what I deal with, guys. Every fucking week, it's trying to get her on board just to do the episode and then get her, getting her to understand the theories. At this point, I might as well just do them by myself. No, I'm totally So, AKA, kidding. this Friday, it's going to be only Brittany and Charlie <laughs> for doing that episode. Don't question where Bob is at. That's fair. So I don't have too much more to add on the Brown Mountain Lights. It, interesting. It's a fun topic. I would love to see them. It's Hay Snake calling his ancestors. What? It, it could be. So we, I, I posted a meme in the group. And if you guys aren't in the Facebook group yet, join it. Tales from the Dark on Facebook. There's a page and a group. Like the page if you really like us. The group is more for just shit posting memes. And I do some live deep dives, some, invest, some group investigations, or if I'm just too lazy to do all the research on my own. I ask other people to do it. And then I pretend that I found out all the information. No, I'm totally kidding. Uh, everyone gets credit, but uh, I posted this meme that ghosts are actually coming on Randy Marsh from South park. That's the gist of the meme. Um, <laughs> where, where are we going with this again? Well, just listen. So we've got a gentleman joining us. It'll be for the, it should be up on a Friday. will be the episode. We have three episodes coming out this week. One, the one you guys are hearing today on Wednesday, one on Thursday, one on Friday. And the exciting thing is going to be the fact that this guy is almost as weird as this fucking meme that's joining us. You guys, for the most part, know who he is. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but if puffy nipples mean anything to anybody, you, you already know exactly who I'm talking about. Oh my God. I'm excited. Um, He's definitely one of the reasons for the success of both the channel and the podcast, um, which I might have misspoke. So we have, how many episodes do we have this week? We're going to have two this week, and then we're going to go back to three next three week. Three next week. Okay, that's right. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday next week, Wednesday, Friday this week. Correct. Correct. Okay. And then uh, in other exciting news, uh, along with Puffy Nipple Man, I will be on Jim Harold's show tomorrow. I don't know when it'll actually drop, but I'm filming it. Uh, we're filming. We have a call scheduled for tomorrow. So I will let everyone know as soon as that's up, you guys will know when that's happening. But with that being said, I think we're going to have to add the mysterious Brown mountain lights to our never ending, but are always growing tales from the dark. With the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.